Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. Welcome to you, and thank you for joining me. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and blessings to you today. Today, I want us to be back in our series, The Beauty of Grace, and we're going to be continuing in this, drawing to the close at some point in the near future. And so today, we're going to look at Lesson 72, The Consciousness of grace. In the service of God, similarly to the Old Testament temple service, the priest had those garments or the wardrobe that God wanted them to wear, representing the simplicity of purity in lifestyle. And that was represented in the white linen, those simple holy garments that he gave them. As shown in the dress that God gave them, and understanding that we also, in the New Testament, as the church that Jesus has built, according to both Peter and John, are a kingdom of priests, or a holy and royal priesthood, the priesthood of the believers, as we talked about in the last lesson. Another aspect of grace that highlights more insights for us as Christians today is this topic for today, the consciousness of grace. Consciousness speaks of being awake or awakened and aware. Waking from sleep sort of restores or reactivates, we might say, our consciousness. While we're sleeping, our bodies and our souls, everything is just kind of at rest, at peace, and we're not necessarily aware or awake of our surroundings or our time. How many times do we maybe get up through the night? We don't know the exact time of what time it is unless we take the time to look at a clock and see what time it is. It takes a little bit of awakening to consciousness to realize, to get the clock, look at the clock, see what time it is, or get out of bed, go to the restroom, get a drink of water, whatever it is. So it takes us a little bit of awakening to consciousness from our sleep. Considering that we are priests unto God as the church of grace that Jesus has built, and we live and dress with the purity, innocence, and integrity of a life that is committed and consecrated to him. Though imperfect, we still are consecrated to him. And that's why he gives us places like 1 John 1, 9 that tells us simply to come back and confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we live a life that is committed and consecrated to him. And we seek to wear those daily garments of purity and innocence, the clothing of grace. Now let's understand more and move in a little bit closer. I want us to start out today by looking at Isaiah chapter 50. In Isaiah chapter 50, notice this in verse 4 and 5. It says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. So God is saying here that he awakens us morning by morning. Notice the purpose. It's to give us so that we can hear as the learned, so that we can listen to him. The purpose is of spending time with him, starting our day out right, getting our direction from him, listening to him, 
And it speaks here morning by morning. In other words, daily, daily to hear. We're awakened from our sleep, so to speak. We're awakened. God knows that we are physical human beings and our bodies need rest. So when he gives us that sleep and we awaken in the morning, he is awakening us to a brand new day. And he is awakening us to a new opportunity to be in his presence, to spend time with him and get our direction from him, to listen to him. And we need to have an open ear and not be rebellious, but listen to him. So he awakens us morning by morning, daily to hear, to hear him speaking with us, to be in sweet fellowship and communion with him daily to get our direction to follow him that day. Why? He tells us that here also in these verses. It's so that we would know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. In other words, it's for ministry, to speak the right words to people, to speak the right words on his behalf, to minister to those in need, to speak a word in season, the Bible calls it. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. It says this, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. How many times have you been in a rough spot? How many times have you needed an answer from the Lord? And you get up in the morning or, or whatever, and you spend time with him, and you get in his word and the Holy Spirit of the living God will speak that word to you that you needed to hear. He will minister to you from the word of God exactly what your soul needed, exactly what you needed to have to settle that peace of mind in your heart and in your soul. He even talks about in the New Testament about bringing our petitions to him, not being anxious for things, but to bring our petitions to him and to come before him. And when we do that, it says that the peace of God then will rule and reign, will umpire, that's what that word means, in our heart and in our mind, and it will guard us. And so it's it's beautiful when we need something from the Lord that he awakens us to hear, to hear him, to hear the word in due season that we need, that rhema word, that right word, that living word given by God. It's almost as if the Bible is a bag of God's seeds. Jesus spoke about that in one of his parables, the parable of the sower. He talked about how the sower goes out and he sows everywhere. He sows on all kinds of ground. And what is he sowing? Jesus said, I believe it's in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, if I'm not mistaken. The seed is the word of God. So he's sowing the word of God. It's like it's a big bag of seeds. And when you need a specific answer or a specific word, many times the Holy Spirit will reach down in that bag of seeds and direct you to the exact living rhema word of God that you need. The Holy Spirit chooses the right things for us in our time of need and the right things for us to say every day as we minister to others, like it's talking about here in Isaiah where he awakens us morning by morning to minister, to be able to speak to people and meet their needs. The impetus for us is to be awakened and seek God for that direction every day because we are his ministers in this world. 
We've already seen, even in the last episode, how we are his kingdom of priests or his royal priesthood, Peter calls us. We've seen in other episodes where we've been given the ministry of reconciliation to plead with everyone we can, to plead with the whole world, to bring them the gospel, the good news. We are to fulfill our commission given by Jesus to go into all the world in every opportunity we have. That doesn't mean that every one of us are to travel around the world. It simply means that we're to go into our mission field, the world around us, wherever we can go to fulfill the commission given by Jesus to preach the word, to preach the good news, and to make disciples and teach them about Jesus. Every day, everywhere, every opportunity. I want us to look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We've covered this in in another episode earlier in detail. So we need to remember that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation to draw people to Jesus, to bring them to the place where they too can be reconciled to God. Notice verse 20 and 21. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be or become sin for us, to take it upon himself, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So right here, we are told that as God's priests, as God's ministers awaken morning by morning to hear from him, he is commissioning us as ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors are speaking of someone who's dispatched or sent on a mission as a representative of the king or the person who sent them. We are dispatched by God as his representative, bringing the ministry of reconciliation and pleading with the world, pleading with others that they too would be reconciled to God. We are bringing the gospel. We are bringing them good news that they can be reconciled to God, that they can have peace with God like they've never known. This is our job. It's the job of every single Christian. Whatever you do, wherever you go, whoever you are, whenever, it is our job as Christians, as representatives of Jesus Christ in the world. We are God's priests in the field and ministry of the service of his church, his building. Our bodies, we learned, are the temple of the Holy Ghost the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. We house the Holy Spirit and we house the Word of God. Oh, how important is that, beloved friend? I want us to look next at Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and I want to read verses 9 through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you, 
Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Beloved friend, our bodies, the temple of God, house the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And we see right here how important that is. Even this small passage from Psalm 119 tells us the way to God or the way back to God. How can a young man cleanse his way? Obey God's word. Come back to him. Ask his forgiveness. Repent. Turn around and come to him. Call upon him. Be born again. Return to the Lord if you have strayed from him. That's the call. And if you will do that, then he says that you hide his word in your heart so that you don't sin against him. Hide it. Treasure it. Retain it. Hold on to it firmly. Store it up like a deposit savings account or like a treasure. Something that you are storing, something that you are guarding. It means to guard it, to like put a hedge about it. Something you're going to treasure and see to it that nothing happens to that seed of the word of God that's in your heart. But you're going to keep storing it up more and more and more. Every time you read it, every time you think upon it, every time you apply it, every time you spend time with God in his word, seeking him for direction and for application to your life, every time you are memorizing it, you are storing it up. You're storing it up like a treasure. And there's a beauty in that. And it will keep you. Think about this. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, we read about... Joseph, the son of Jacob, and how his brothers hated him. He had the dream. His brothers hated him even more, and they decided they were going to get rid of him. They wanted to be done with Joseph. They weren't about to succumb to his dreams, and they couldn't stand him, so they were like, we got to get rid of this boy. So at 17 or so, he has these dreams, and then shortly thereafter, they stick him in a pit, and they intended to kill him, But one of the brothers says, no, let's don't kill him. And then another one says, let's sell him. Here comes some Ishmaelites. Let's sell him. Wherever they're going, they can take him and we'll we'll be done with it. So they end up taking him to Egypt. By the favor of God, he gets put into Potiphar's house as a servant unto Potiphar. God blesses him. He apparently was a handsome young man. And so Potiphar's wife is trying to have an affair with him, trying to get him to sin. And he resists her. But let me ask you this. Joseph was taken away from his family. He was taken away from everything of God that he ever knew and taken to a place of paganism, idol worship, of a place where there was no word of God. There was no fear of God among them. They did not live a godly lifestyle. And Joseph, however, because he had been storing up the things of God in his heart. Now, this was way before the law was ever given. So there may not have been a written word of God other than what was passed down, either written or verbal, from generation to generation to generation from Adam. And we know that such was happening because it speaks several of the descendants of Seth and how they were calling upon the name of the Lord. They were coming into relationship with God. They were passing on the commandments. They were building altars to the Lord and making the sacrifices. 
as God had instituted in Genesis 3, when he killed an animal for the shedding of blood to cover Adam's sins until the Messiah would come and pay the sin debt and remove those sins. And so we know that was being passed on. We know that Noah knew God personally. We know that God spoke to these Old Testament patriarchs and ancestors of our faith. We know that this was being passed on. We know that in relationship, God had communicated to Noah what were clean animals and what were unclean. The law didn't write those things down and codify them until much later, but they were already in the heart of people who had a relationship with God. So there was a storing up of this that happened. And so when Joseph gets completely alone in a foreign land where it would have been easy for him to have violated God's word, turned against the Lord, and done all that they were doing in that land, and yet he would not participate. And he held his integrity. Why? Because he had a real relationship with Jesus. He had a real relationship with a God who had called him, who had called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who had spoken to them, who had given them these promises. And Joseph knew him and knew him personally, and he had stored up those things in his heart like a treasure. Proverbs 2 talks about that as well. Let's read verses 1 through 11. Solomon is writing and he says this. Solomon is recording this. It appears to be that these are some words that even King David was teaching Solomon. And the words are this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom. In other words, have an open ear like Isaiah was talking about and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, speaking of that communication with God, that daily sweet fellowship awakening to hear, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. And then it goes on, it talks about what it will keep you from and the ways that this will deliver you. So this is speaking of treasuring the word of God and the rewards that are promised when we do so. Remember, Peter and John both had confirmed that we are a kingdom of priests, a holy royal priesthood to the Lord. In the days of the Old Testament priests, there would be a temple crier, we might call them, one of the temple priests that would go way up on the southwest corner of the temple and wait and watch every morning for the sunrise until it had reached, I believe it's Hebron, they would say, has the sun reached Hebron? And when he would say yes, then that gave them the signal that they were then to open the doors of the temple and begin the daily service. This temple crier would awaken them morning by morning. For what purpose? so that they could prepare to serve 
in the temple's daily service that day. They were preparations they had to do. They would go and do a mikvah that morning, a full water immersion, again to cleanse themselves and to prepare similarly to a shower every morning or a bath every morning that we would take. And then they would watch for the morning for that sunrise. When that sunrise had reached all the way to Hebron, it was a new day. It's interesting if we understand this in light of Psalm chapter 130. In Psalm chapter 130, it says this, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So the psalmist here is writing and saying, I watch for the Lord and wait for the Lord even more than those who watch for the morning. Those priests who would go up and wait and watch for the sunrise to go all the way down to Hebron so that they could be excited and open the gates and begin that day's service. Hallelujah. And this is talking about a new day to serve the Lord. Every morning that the Lord opens your eyes and raises you up and awakens you, it's a new day with new opportunities, new ministries, continued ministries. It's a new time for you. And we need to be those that Isaiah prophesied about that are awakened morning by morning to seek him, to listen, to hear, and to be given the ear of the learned. We need to follow the Lord's leading daily. He knows who, when, how, where, and what we are going to do every day as we minister as his representative to others that we can reach with his good news. He will lay out the course for you daily. Seek him. When awakened in the morning, seek him for direction and his will and leading for that day. I want us to close by looking at a couple of passages from what Paul has written in the New Testament. The first one is found in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, he says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Paul is saying here, whatever you do, in this context, is speaking about employment. It's speaking about work, whatever kind of work you do. But God is also saying here, whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it to the Lord. Whether it's work, whether it's leisure or sports, whether it's family times and family events, whether it's benevolence or civic or community service work, whether it's your ministry for the Lord, do all, do all, do all to the glory of God. Seek to honor him. Seek to serve him. Seek to be his ambassador and bring his good news, whatever it is. And then I want us lastly to look at Second Timothy chapter 3. And I want to read beginning in verse 10. In the first few verses, Paul has talked about 
people who are not going to receive the sound doctrine of the word, there's going to come a time when people don't want to hear it. They're not going to listen. There'll be all kinds of itching ears and people speaking all kinds of things and rejecting God. But he tells, he tells Timothy here, he says, beginning in verse 10, but you, in other words, they're going to do one thing, but that's not what you need to be involved in. This is for you, Timothy. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconian, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, here we go again, but you, they might be being deceived, they might be deceiving, they might be growing worse, but you, Timothy, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's speaking of the Word of God, the Logos, the entirety of the Word. Continuing on in chapter 4. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So he's telling him here, Timothy, you're gonna, there's gonna come a time when other people are doing all kinds of other things and they're turning away from God. But you, Preach the word. Preach the logos. Herald the whole counsel of God. Not stories, not fables, not jokes, not fun things, not funny quotes, but you preach the word of God. The instant. In other words, stand on the ready. Be present, be available, be ready at any moment to be used by God in season and out of season. In other words, when it is convenient for you and when it is not convenient for you. Surrender your time and your schedule daily to the Lord. Let him lead you and use you. This is what Paul is telling Timothy, and this is what God is telling us. Sometimes it's totally different than what we might want or expect in our daily lives but we want to live yielded to him. God wants us to be a yielded, willing vessel. And if we will awaken morning by morning by his grace and listen, he will lead us for that day's service to him. He awakens us every morning. Every breath is a gift from God. Every day is his and a new opportunity for us to serve him. And we do so for eternal fruit, eternal value. The consciousness of grace reminds us that he is our Lord and Savior and has enlisted us in his service as ambassadors, as priests, so that we can share him with those who we can reach. And in the end, all of our service to him will be well worth it. I pray that this has been a blessing to you.
And Lord willing, you can join us again as we continue to draw to a close in the Beauty of Grace series. God bless you today in Jesus' name.